Hey, Rich Girls. It's your host, Amber Frank Husen, and you're listening to the Old Money Podcast, the show dedicated to women building the trust fund they wish they were born with. We are well into the new year, and I am all about a new year's vibe. I mean, we spent a lot of time in December talking about breaking down and reflecting on 2023 and planning for 2024, and now I really want to put that into practice it's time to do something different. If you want to have something different, you got to do something different. Am I right? So today we're talking about what I think is one of the most chronic issues in personal finance, and that is living paycheck to paycheck. Today, we're going to talk about breaking the cycle in any income level that you're in. And here's some crazy numbers for you. Before we get into it, 74% of Americans say that they are stressed about finances. And 61% of them report living paycheck to paycheck. So if you're listening to this and you are living paycheck to paycheck, you're not alone. We're in this together. And we're going to break down both the emotional and the tactical side of how to solve for this and how to end this cycle in our lives. We'll talk about the causes, what it actually means, which I think is really interesting. And then like a fast five fix on like what to do to get yourself out of that from a very action oriented place that's also supportive and calming and not something that's going to put you into more of a financial tailspin. But before we get into that, so many updates for you. Y'all, lots happened. So let's get into birdie and bogey. Okay, you guys. So this is my first podcast recording in 2024. I recorded last week's episode uh, right before the holidays. And this is kind of big news. I have a really big birdie over the holiday break. I got a new piece of jewelry. I got engaged over Christmas vacation, Christmas break on the 23rd of 2023 of December. I just realized it's 122323. That's really sweet. Um such an amazing just moment with Justin and we're so happy and I have this beautiful rock on my finger, but more importantly, just locked in with our relationship and we're just so happy and really got to celebrate with a lot of our family and friends over Christmas and New Year's and also is so grateful to have some downtime. He proposed right before Christmas. So we had you know, family gatherings, but then we got a week to like decompress and say, holy shit, we're getting married. And we've been talking about this for over a year, obviously, like like very seriously for a year, but we've known we've wanted to be together for quite a long time. And it's just this anchoring in. I have so much more to share about it. I'm not going to talk too much about the actual engagement today because I have an episode coming up that's all about relationships. And I think there's a lot of lessons in kind of what I've walked through, what Justin's walked through that I want to share in kind of a productive way. So I'm going to save the full engagement story for that. But I just wanted to say so many of the rich girls have reached out and shared their congratulations and support. And it's just been beyond, I mean, this whole last year has been beyond incredible and expansive. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for my friends, this community, just everybody that supported us and seen us in our love. And thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honestly like very touched. So that's definitely a huge birdie. And the bogey is just Honestly, it's so cliche, but it's getting back to real life. The magic of the holidays is over. We've got, you know, all of the goal planning out of the way. Now it's execution time, right? And so it's the first week back to work in the new year. I've been absolutely crushed this first week, like literally 
back-to-back meetings all day, every day, but it's great. Like so much is happening. It's just a lot. It's like zero to 60. And so my bogey is obviously packing up the holidays and ending that chapter and now moving into this new season of new year, fresh vibes, which is all good. Like I said, it's just different from being in execution mode versus planning mode. Planning mode feels very comfortable and it's very easy to feel this inertia, right? Like you're stuck in it after the holidays. It's like, I've been sitting down on the couch for two weeks. Like you want me to go to the gym? How dare you? However, I did have a really amazing hack that came up this week that I wanted to share with my rich girls, which probably have the same problem I do. But when I was packing up our ornaments from the Christmas tree, we have all of these Christmas boxes, you know, the ones that you store your ornaments in. And I had just done a full clean out of our office the week prior. And we have this whole cupboard of like boxes of the luxury products that we've bought. So I have like this big Gucci box or this big Dior box and these boxes that it's, they're too beautiful to throw away, but there's nothing in them. And I'm like, these are taking up so much space. So this year I ditched the Christmas boxes and instead I stored all of our Christmas ornaments and sentimental items and all of the things that we're gonna keep and open every single year and all of these designer boxes. So it's twofold. Number one, I don't have to get rid of the boxes. Number two, I have so much more space in my closet. So it worked out really, really nicely. That was a nice little hack for me to not have to throw things away. And I'd rather have something that's Gucci branded than Christmas poinsettia branded. Anyway, I thought that was helpful. But now we're on to implementing all of the things that we promised ourselves we would do in 2023 and starting to get active on making the changes we want to see in our lives to have a better life, to have a better experience, have a different experience. And if you are one of the people that have been in this cycle of living paycheck to paycheck, this episode is for you. I have been studying this all year, all 2023. This is the thing that's fascinated me the most because I was living in paycheck to paycheck for so long. And I think it's one of the number one contributing factors to being in financial fight or flight. Now, if you don't know what financial fight or flight is, go back to episode number three. I break it down completely, but essentially it's when your financial nervous system is on overdrive. It's the same as when you're getting chased by a saber-toothed tiger your body is freaking out. Your nervous system is freaking out. And you turn off certain parts of your brain so you can focus on survival. And when you're in financial fight or flight, you're only focused on survival, but you're not making the best decisions for future you. And living paycheck to paycheck is the epitome of being in financial fight or flight because what that even means, what does living paycheck to paycheck actually mean? It means that one missed paycheck will spell disaster. And I think a lot of this has, we've talked about it in culture as, you know, when people lose their jobs, oh, they're, you know, down and out, they missed one paycheck. But it could also be if you got sick, if somebody in your family got sick, if you were unable to work for some unknown reason, it means that you have no buffer and not just a buffer from unexpected expenses. We're talking about expected expenses. So living paycheck to paycheck means you do not have any buffer for expected or unexpected expenses because all of your money from your paycheck will go to expenses and you only have enough to cover what is due each and every month. It's not about a lack of income, but rather a lack of savings, a lack of a safety net, a lack of something to help you in case things go off the rails. And this is the thing about life. It goes off the rails. Like 
I mean, if you look at big picture, like culturally, you can look at all of these different points in history for things going off the rails, like COVID, for example. This was why the STEMI checks came through, right? Because most people living paycheck to paycheck, restaurant workers, for example, they couldn't go to work and they had no way to pay their bills. And the trickle-down effect of that in the economy is then, okay, then they don't pay their rent and then the landlords default on their mortgages and all these other things happen. And listen, we can talk about this, and I'll touch on this again, the societal kind of framing of how this all happens, but the amount of stress that it would cause any person to not have money coming in that they were expecting to, what if you broke your leg? What if you you know, are a piano player and you broke your hand and you have no savings? What are you going to do to pay your bills? That amount of stress is something we're trying to avoid. Getting out of financial fight or flight is about keeping your financial nervous system calm by having a big picture view and taking care of future you or even immediate you and making the right decisions so that you are not taking years off your life or just suffering through feeling stressed out about your money all the time. I used to feel stressed out about money all the time. It's all I ever learned. I mean, if you have parents that were stressed out about money, it's likely that that's how you learn to feel about money too. And I just want to say, life is better on the other side. I mean, what's really interesting about paycheck to paycheck, it's not even about like a lack of credit or what the resources are when things go wrong. Because typically when things go awry, we're all very creative, capable people. And we can say, oh, we can get a loan from this person or we can use credit or things like that. We we think we have these safety nets in place. But the reality is if you're using credit to get out of an emergency and you don't have the money saved to pay it off, you're spiraling into a bigger issue. If you think you're going to ask a friend for a loan, family member for a loan, now you've muddied the waters of that relationship with money, something that I would try to avoid. I mean, I've heard stories of people in the past who back when you know people would write checks at the grocery store who didn't have enough money in their checking account but would go grocery shopping, use a check, and then also get cash back off that check because that check wouldn't clear for a couple of days. And they'd be hoping that in the meantime, they'd get money funded into their accounts from their paycheck, or they would be able to get a paycheck or some money to put in the account. But you could basically like float yourself with a check. Now, living paycheck to paycheck, that's the type of thinking, that's the type of scheming you have to do. And just the worry and the wonder, like, is this going to clear? Am I going to be embarrassed at the grocery store checkout by insufficient funds? That's what I want to help you avoid. So When we look at why this happens or how this happens, I have two kind of ideas about this because living paycheck to paycheck is not an income problem. Remember, it's a savings problem. And people that earn a lot of money are not exempt from living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, it might be you never know somebody's financial position, right? You might see somebody that has the bag you want, the car you want, and they are living paycheck to paycheck trying to pay all of those things off. So it's not about this only happens to people at lower income levels. This can happen. I mean, you've heard it, more money, more problems, right? Millionaires are living paycheck to paycheck. I think it's really interesting whenever there's like a reality TV divorce and you hear like the expenditures per month. Have you guys been watching Real Housewives? of Miami and Lisa Hochstein was accused of spending $10,000 a month on Instacart. It's like you get into the habits of things. I mean, by the way, the whole Lisa Hochstein story with her driving in a Honda Fit, like we got to talk about it. It's iconic. My point is if you are doing well and earning a lot, you're not exempt from this being a potential problem for you. And if it is, please don't feel shame. 
you're not alone. In fact, three in four Americans who earn less than $50,000 report living paycheck to paycheck. And people who make more than $50,000 a year, 66% of people reported living paycheck to paycheck. So you're not alone. It's much more common. And the other problem is, I think there was a study that said like 75% of Americans don't have any reasonable savings. This is an epidemic. And there's some societal things that are happening here that I think need to be discussed. I mean, as Alex McCord famously said, I'm out here in Brooklyn trying to survive in this economy. And 2023, 2024, the inflation, the craziness, I mean, the reality is expenses, the expense of living, the expense of housing, it's astronomical. We have record inflation in 2022 and 2023, but salaries have not increased along with the costs to live. On top of that, personal debt levels continue to rise, especially as college becomes so much more expensive and people start to incur more and more student loans. But on top of that, childcare costs, huge impact to personal debt, and then just consumer credit card spending. And then I think there's also this conversation again societally about lack of access, like lack of access to education that can translate to higher wages, to experience, to get jobs, to high-paying jobs, just these systemic issues of people who are growing up in poverty and don't have access to things, whether it's a connection for an internship or access to a teacher at a high school that cares about them, these things matter. And the other thing about this is lack of access to just personal finance education. And, you know, I'm not here to solve all of the societal issues today, but what I can solve is the financial education piece. And I think the thing that's not talked enough about is the emotional education with money. And that's something we want to go into today. However, going back to the reasons why this happens, for people that are earning a higher income level, talking six figures or more, and they still find themselves in this systemic paycheck-to-paycheck problem, lifestyle inflation. That is the cause. It's as you earn more, you think you deserve more. And listen, honey, I'm not here to tell you what you deserve or what you don't deserve. I'll tell you all day long that you deserve love and acceptance and security and you know, friendships and joy and happiness and all of these things, but that does not entitle you to buy a Birkin on an $80,000 a year salary. It's not how life works. You don't get to splurge on a spa day because you have a terrible boss when you can't afford one. You get to splurge on these things. You get to treat yourself. You get to deserve the things that you want when you earn them. And I think a lot of this kind of like pop psychology conversation that we're seeing, a lot of it on social media as well, like treat yourself is beautiful. And I think self-care is very important, but it at the expense of running up credit card debt, there's something that needs to be kept in check. Okay. So lifestyle inflation is the number one reason for people being over leveraged and having financial issues that they can't get out of a financial fight or flight paycheck to paycheck cycle. And I said this before, and I will say it again, of the piece that's missing or the reason why this happens is because the piece that's missing is a lack of financial IQ. And I think a lot of people look at people who are quote unquote wealthy or rich or doing well, and they're like, wow, they must be so smart. But I'm here to tell you that the more wealthy people you meet, the more you realize People are just people. And a high income does not equal a high IQ. It does not equal high financial literacy. It doesn't mean anything, actually. 
high net worth or success. It, it, there's so many reasons why people could have that. And like I said, you never know somebody's financial situation. So they might be looking like they're doing really well, but this is where that whole wealth whispers piece comes in, right? Because people who are wealthy are people who have money in the bank not money in their closet, Carrie Bradshaw. So my point here is that when you see somebody who's quote unquote doing well and buying the new things, you never know their situation. And it is possible that somebody at a higher income level could be living paycheck to paycheck and you would be none the wiser. You're feeling really bad about yourself. You're feeling really bad about how much money you make. You feel really bad about not having savings. It's okay, honey. Like we're going to get through this together. So as I promised, we're going to talk a little bit about the tactical steps of getting out of financial fight or flight. But I think what's more important is the emotional component of it because uh, everything with money has to do with emotions. Like there's so much charged energy when we talk about money, especially when we feel insecure about our financial situations. But I'm not suggesting that we remove emotion completely from the conversation about money. I think that money can elicit a lot of different types of emotions, but there's kind of two sides to the coin, right? I want to help us remove the negative emotions that we have with money and replace them with positive ones. Because if you are living paycheck to paycheck, you're likely a little bit stressed and feeling a little bit anxious because missing a shift or missing a week of work is going to send you into chaos, right? So you're going to push harder and work when you're sick and not take care of your body. You're going to be overwhelmed by, you know, if your car breaks down and you need to get it towed or, you know, your shoes are uncomfortable and you want to upgrade, but you don't have the money in the bank. It's all of the stress and anxiety. It leads to taxing on your brain and your skin, by the way, leads to wrinkles. But on your brain, constant and chronic stress or anxiety can actually lead to poor decision-making. So not only was it poor decision-making, I mean, you you have memory loss or, you know, memory is impaired, you get worse sleep, and then you get into this like spiral of irritability and you can't think straight. And so it makes it more challenging for you to manage your finances or make good decisions or purchasing decisions or even like, what are you having for dinner decisions? When you are stressed and you are not feeling well, you're like, yeah, I'm going to swing by Burger King. I'm going to make that decision for myself. And then you're going to be spending outside of your budget because you have groceries at home and you know you're going to throw that lettuce away when it's absolutely wilted. You never use the lettuce. For me, it's spinach. Spinach never gets used in my house. However, if you're feeling stress and anxiety, those negative emotions are going to make your situation worse. If you're feeling shame or guilt, First of all, I want to hug you. Those emotions are so heavy to carry. And uh, releasing those can take a lot of work. I mean, honestly, if you have money trauma, big T trauma, little T trauma, shame and guilt can be really heavy emotions that can cloud your judgment, can make you embarrassed. It can prevent you from getting help with the financial situations that you need. You might have pride get in the way. If you feel shame or fear or guilt about something, you might just ignore it because it's more comfortable for you to feel like you're right than it is for you to be open to receiving some feedback or trying to change something about yourself. You could also feel a lot of embarrassment. I know a lot of people when they put themselves on a budget or they change their financial priorities, they've reached out to me and said, I feel embarrassed about telling my friends that I can't go out to dinner with them because I'm trying to stay on a budget. And my thing is to you, if you have friends that judge you for that, it is time for you to make new friends. I hate to be so cut and dry about it, but 100%. I want to tell you just aside, just again, every man I ever dated before Justin, 
I was embarrassed to meditate in front of. A meditation is a huge part of my life. Reading is a huge part of my life. But there was never a man that I dated that I felt comfortable enough to be myself in front of in a vulnerable position. Now, I'm definitely not meditating with Justin in the room, okay, most of the time anyway. But if he did come into the room when I was peaceful, I know he'd be respectful and leave me alone. Um, you know, he's not going to judge me or make fun of me. And I actually did date some absolute losers who would make fun of me for that. And I never felt like I could fully be myself in front of them. And I didn't recognize that in the moment. It was like something I thought I had to do in my personal time. Friendship to me is the exact same way. Like if I need a if I need help from a friend, like I need help staying on my budget. So like, can we do something other than shopping this month? Can we go for a, a walk instead? That's a supportive friend. That's somebody who will show up for you. And if you are feeling embarrassed about expressing that, honey, this is the universe giving you the opportunity to stretch that muscle and try to say it, even saying, I feel embarrassed about sharing this with you, but I'm trying to get my financial situation to change and I would love your support. And so I'm not available to go to a $200 dinner on Friday night with you, but I still want to spend time with you. And I'd love if we could make that a priority. If it's not the right friend for you, it's going to be a grieving process. I get it. But honey, this is your life. You are not living your life for other people. You are living your life for you. So fear, embarrassment, guilt, shame, stress, envy, these are all pretty heavy negative emotions around money. And again, I don't want to say we shouldn't have emotion with money. I want to tell you what happens when you get to the other side. And the first thing that happens when you get out of financial fight or flight, you stop living paycheck to paycheck, is you feel an immense sense of relief. An immense sense of relief. Tony Robbins has a book, Unshakable. And I think that is the best word for financially secure people. Because no matter what happens with your job, with your family, with your house, with your car, with the stock market, with the economy, with wars, who the president is, you are financially unshakable. And that, my friend, is the biggest relief of all because nothing can break you. And listen, I'm not saying that you have to have $10 million in the bank to be unbreakable, but you do need to have a solid financial foundation to feel that way. And when you do, it's a relief because you can turn off the news and you don't have to think about who's going to be elected for president in 2024. By the way, if you haven't realized it, this is an election year. So buckle up, buttercup, because it's going to be another big one. And I think it's going to be contentious. And the economy is going to be what I believe the number one driver of who gets elected this year. Just I'm just going to put it out there. I'm This is not a political podcast, but I think that if inflation comes down this year and interest rates are back to three or 4%, Biden will be elected president again. That's just my prediction. We're saying it here now. It's Friday, January 5th, 2024. We shall see if the economy does not recover or the Fed does not lower interest rates more and it's still everybody's priced out of buying houses in the United States, then we might see another candidate come in. My point is when you don't care about it, it's a total fucking relief. I don't have to watch the election. I don't care who's the president because the president does not affect my day-to-day -day life. The president does affect my values, things I care about. But at the end of the day, it's going to ebb and flow. Markets go up and go down. We have Republican and Democrats and back and forth. And it always kind of self-corrects. The bad times don't last forever, right? So the relief is immense. That's the first thing you get to experience. The second thing you get to experience when you're on the other side of this is expansion. 
Because when you have a solid financial foundation in place, you get to say, where do I want to spend my money? What lights me up the most? Where do I want to go? How do I want to spend my time? Or what can I create? What value can I bring to the world? What's my magic? What's my secret sauce? What am I going to bring and inspire people with? The expansion and the ideas, the way that you can build your wardrobe or decorate your house when you have the money to do so guilt-free, it feels creative. It feels expansive. It feels like relief. The other thing is you can have healthy pride. I think pride is important. And I, I want us to all feel proud about the financial decisions that we've made and you know, proud of what we've created in our bank accounts or in our businesses, the college funds that you've saved for your kids or the education that you can provide for them. Being proud of what you've created, that is a warm, fuzzy feeling. You also get to feel empowered. You know when you have a financial education that you can make good decisions for yourself and that no matter what comes up in your life, you're going to solve problems and you can get yourself out of them. You feel empowered to take care of yourself, to take care of others. And speaking of that, you will probably also feel a great sense of security and a great sense of generosity because the more you make, the more you can give. The more time you can give, the more energy you can give, the more love you can give, the more gifts you can give. That's your love language, baby. These are all super positive emotions to look forward to once you work your way out of this financial fight or flight situation. And I have to stress this again, when you're in these negative emotion spirals, the stress and anxiety, the shame, and your your poor brain is unable to even function properly because you're just getting bombarded with all of these negative emotions in your financial nervous system. You get into this shame spiral. I call it compounding negative emotions, just like compounding interest. When you think about negative things or you're in negative cycles, it compounds. It gets so much harder to get out of. But when you're in a positive compounding situation, that's when we like to see compounding interest grow our money for us, right? When you're in a positive state of mind, you have so much more available to you in your brain. And you guys, I just had the best experience when I was driving home from, or rather when I was driving home to my my mother's house, visiting her for the holidays, I was listening to, I, I was able to tap into my amazing friend and actually my college roommate, Natalia Benson, who is a she's just an amazing woman, period, like full stop. But she's also like a mystic and she's an astrologist and she teaches a lot about financial empowerment. And she did this amazing workshop where she led this beautiful guided meditation for the group. It was a little bit of breath work. It's a little bit of, you know, physiology work, very Tony Robbins-esque and really got people into an elevated state in a very short amount of time. And she was tying this into how this is in her morning practice, right? Like getting herself primed for the day, Tony Robbins style. I was like here for it, right? But like not Tony Robbins style, like Natalia Benson style. And after people did this meditation, I was driving, so my eyes were open. I was not participating actively in the meditation, but people were asked, how do you feel after that? People were saying, incredible, alive. I feel optimistic. I feel energized. I feel like I could conquer anything. And isn't that the energy that you need before you open your bills? Isn't that the energy that you need when you are creating a budget? Isn't that the energy you need every day to deal with money, especially when you're starting from below zero? I just thought it was such a power. I need to have Natalia come on this podcast. Natalia, I'm coming for you. We're going to record a podcast. I need you to talk to the to the audience about this. Like It was so powerful. And it's just about the compounding interest of your thoughts and getting into the right mindset first before you start tackling the tactical stuff. 
If you're a business sending out emails and you're not doing it on Flowdesk, baby, I've got news for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Flowdesk, what I believe to be the most beautiful email marketing tool ever. As a marketer myself, it blows my mind to see janky emails. You know, the ones that are formatted all weird, they're all the wrong colors, and they're coming from brands that I love. And it's just such a letdown and honestly doesn't really build confidence in that brand, if you know what I mean. Don't put yourself in the same situation. Send emails people love to get. Flowdesk helps businesses put their best foot forward via email. They have stunning templates, a drag and drop design system, so you don't need to know graphic design or how to code. You're going to be sending emails in minutes, and you can build out automations, landing pages, segments. The whole thing is going to be easy to use, and it's going to look beautiful on both desktop or mobile. It's what we use at AF Marketing, and it's what we recommend for all of our clients. Sign up using our link to get 50% off your annual membership. That's right. I said 50, five, zero. You're going to go to flowdesk.com slash C slash old money. Flowdesk is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. That's 50% off your annual membership. Flowdesk.com slash C slash old money. You're going to get unlimited subscribers, unlimited email sends, all for 50% off your first year. And you're going to start sending emails people love to get. So. Let's talk about the tactical stuff. How do you actually stop living paycheck to paycheck? Well, some of the responses that I've gotten from people writing into the podcast, which please do so. I have a couple of epic letters to answer in the upcoming weeks. It's oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com, by the way. But most people are like, I just need to earn more money. I just need to get a better job. I just need to start a side hustle. Er, Not correct. That is absolutely a piece of it. It can be a piece of it. But remember that living paycheck to paycheck is not an income problem. It's a savings problem. So step number one, we have to back up. We have to like take five steps backwards before we can take some steps forward to actually make a dent in our savings and build ourselves an emergency fund. And this emergency fund is, like I said, for when things go off the rails or when things go terribly wrong, when you need that extra bit of money. So step number one, you have to find out where that money's going to come from. And to do that, you need to look under the hood. You need to track your spending or you need to analyze it. You can do it manually by going onto your bank account and downloading the account activity for a certain period of time. I would say if you've never done this before, maybe start with a month and then you can start with two months and then maybe take an average or maybe you want to do three months and do an average. You just have to look at some data. As humans, We are really good at overestimating or underestimating things. It's like when somebody says like, how tall is that guy? And you're like, oh my God, he's like 5'2". Or if he's tall, you're like, oh my God, he's like seven feet, right? Like who actually knows how tall a man is? So when you say you only want to date somebody who's six feet, like get a grip. You don't even know what 5'11 looks like. The point is we never understand measurements, time, money spent. You have to look at the numbers. Download a month's worth of activity from your account and then categorize it. I want you to make some pretty general categories like rent, um, utilities, subscriptions, entertainment, eating out, coffee, drinking out, anything like that that's relevant to you. For me, my categories include like how much I'm spending on my lashes or how much I'm spending on manicures that I never get or poppy stuff. Oh my God, how much money I spend on my dog. That's like one of my biggest expenses. Go back to listen to my 2023 budget breakdown if you want some more dirt on how much money I spent last year but you have to understand your numbers. If you have ever watched Shark Tank, you know that if you walk into the tank as a business owner and you don't know your numbers, Mr. Wonderful is gonna eat your fucking head off, okay? You are the business of you. 
You have got to know your numbers. It's your fiduciary responsibility to yourself. It doesn't have to be scary. It's just about knowing it so that you can manage it, right? You can't manage what you don't measure. So you need to look under the hood to start and see where you're at. If you don't want to do it manually, there's an app. It's called YNAB, Y-N-A-B. You need a budget and it's actually such a good app. I did use it for a while. There is a subscription fee, but there's also a trial period. So if you want to try it for 30 days and just get some data out of it, you can categorize your spending and figure out where your money is going. And then it's about making decisions. I don't like to say eliminating. I don't like to say cutting. It's about making decisions about what you prioritize. You get to decide where your money goes. And you have to make some decisions about what your priorities are. So if all of your money is going to subscriptions like Hulu or Lifetime TV or whatever it might be, you need to figure out, like, is that something that you value more than you value the security of your future self, more than you value the feeling of expansion? Do you value Hulu TV more than you value the feeling of financial empowerment or relief? I'm assuming now that I've said this, Hulu TV will never be a sponsor of this podcast, but that's okay. Netflix, I'm here for you, baby. Whatever you need, I got you. My point is you get to decide. This is your money and don't be unconscious to where it goes. So you're number one, looking at where the money goes. Number two, you're going to create your spending plan. So you're going to tell yourself where your money's going to go. Now, if you're one of those people like I was when I was living paycheck to paycheck, And you were like, no, bitch, every single dollar is going to something relevant. We'll get to that. But more than likely, there are some ways that you can cut back. I think the number one thing that people overspend on is eating out or having food delivered. You don't need to have food delivered every single night. Like DoorDash is not something that you need on the front page of your apps on your phone, okay? what you need to be doing is eating at home. And that's a decision that you're going to have to make. There's conversations that go along with that, with your family, with your partner, with your friends, as we mentioned, but you get to make that decision for yourself for your future self, right? You get to say, okay, listen, I've been getting hair extensions for 16 years and I'm trying to make better financial decisions. So this year is going to be the year I get a blunt bob so that my hair still looks thick. Okay. You get to make these creative decisions for yourself so that you put yourself in a position to free up money so you can funnel it to a savings account. Now, if you need recommendations on savings account, I cover everything on this in episode five, which is afford everything you want. I talk about my savings system. I have automatic transfers that happen on the day I get paid from my paycheck directly to my savings account. So I never even see the money. It just goes automatically by itself and it doesn't even hit my radar. If you have to do it manually, you probably won't do it. Set it up automatically. I personally love Capital One. Um, You can set up different savings buckets there, and they also have high yield savings accounts. So you could be earning four to five percent interest on your account depending on when you sign up. Now you're saying, wow, that doesn't sound like a lot of money, four to five percent. When you start racking up the dough, that is incredible interest to earn. It has been nearly 20 years since interest rates were this high for savings accounts. And for people that are actually like, they have a lot of money liquid in the bank and savings, they're fucking raking right now. And that's all free money. I mean, you pay taxes on it, of course, but it's a pretty sweet freaking deal. So go set up savings accounts, automatically transfer that over so that you are starting to build that bucket. Now you're thinking, how much of a bucket do I need to build for this emergency fund? 
This is something, you know, I don't love Dave Ramsey, but the thing that he got right on this is first of all, just save a thousand bucks. As long as you have at least a thousand bucks, and that needs to be your financial thermostat. You are never allowed to have less than a thousand dollars in a savings account. You have to set these different financial standards for yourself. Once you get to a thousand, then you get to say, okay, my new financial standard for what is always in my emergency fund is $3,000. And once that gets used for something, if there's an emergency, you replenish it right away. You start the cycle over again. Every time you raise your financial thermostat, you get closer to the feelings that you want, the feelings that you think money will give you. Relief, empowerment, excitement, expansion, joy, security. Like these are the things we're going to. So starting with a thousand bucks, and let me tell you the hack of how I did this to start. I looked around my house and I started selling shit on Facebook Marketplace. And you know what? When you start having to talk to all these crazy people on Facebook Marketplace all day long, that becomes your hobby. Now you don't have time to go out to dinner and spend a bunch of money. That literally becomes the thing that you're doing to generate income is $40 here, $50 here. There are things around your house that you haven't touched in a very long time, I guarantee it. And I know you could make money doing that for an afternoon on the weekend and then managing meeting up with all these people. And so you don't have time for your Hulu subscription. All you're doing is selling shit on Facebook Marketplace. That's what I did to start my first savings account like years and years ago. And it honestly is something that I do every once in a while again to like generate a couple extra bucks. It's like worth it. It's like a fun hobby. I get rid of when I purge, I make sure that the things that I no longer need get a second take at life and I make a couple extra bucks. And by the way, it's not about recouping the money you spent on the item. It's about just giving it a new life and then taking the usable value of it now and applying that to your savings, okay? So that's that on the savings account. But again, we're talking about freeing up money first. Before we even talk about earning more, starting a side hustle, whatever it would be, we're freeing up money. So the basic stuff that I covered, we talked about like cutting subscriptions. We talked about stopping eating out. We talked about selling some stuff on Facebook Marketplace to start that savings fund. Here's the thing the bigger decisions come next. And the reason I say this is two different phases is because step number one, being able to live without the Hulu subscription to watch the Kardashians, that's building the muscle. That's exercising the muscle to get rid of things that you may no longer need. The next step is really taking a hard look at the bigger items in your life. I'm talking about your car, your house, all the things that are the big, big, big expenses. If you are in a dire financial situation, you would be looking at selling your house, refinancing, moving cities, getting a roommate, getting closer to your family so you don't have to pay so much in childcare because grandma can help you out. You're talking about selling your car to eliminate debt and being a one-car household. There are millions of people in this country that do those things all of the time. And all I hear from people is that They deserve to be where they are. They deserve to live where they live. They deserve to drive that car. They don't want to make those decisions. Our rent is already so cheap. We shouldn't have to move. But the reality is, is that taking control of your financial life does mean making really big decisions sometimes. And I don't want to downplay it. These can be decisions that, again, affect us emotionally. Things like pride start to get involved, right? What are my neighbors going to think if I sell the BMW that we just bought? What are our neighbors going to think if we take in, you know, somebody to live in our extra bedroom? And the reality is this is about you versus you. This has nothing to do with other people. And I think as long as you can frame it in a positive way, both to yourself and to any looky-loos, if you have to, 
you know, deal with them. Listen, we're always going to have nosy people in our lives. People that ask you once you get married, when are you going to have a baby? You might be dealing with infertility issues and you have to have a nice, polite way to respond to them. Like how fucking rude that people just are nosy, right? Your neighbor might come up to you. Oh, hey, Jimmy, I saw that you guys just sold your new BMW. I don't know if there's a Jimmy that's a rich girl, but maybe that could be a girl name. Anyway, the point is, is like, how are you going to tackle that with grace? That's what old money is about, baby. That's about having that very kind of blase, you know what? Our priorities changed this year and we're not interested in having that car anymore. Have a good day, neighbor. That's what it's about. It's about you knowing that the financial core of your being is what is in your bank account, what's in your heart, the emotions that you carry around money. And if you let your neighbor interfere with that, listen, you're not alone. It drives a lot of people's decision-making, but this is about you building the muscle to be stronger than that. That's about living the old money way, about knowing that wealth whispers and talk is cheap, right? So you might be having these big financial decisions. And here's a couple of the things that I've done in my past that have really helped me. Journaling on my ideas about why I'm holding on to the things. Why do I feel like I need this car? Why do I feel like I have to live alone? Why do I feel like I shouldn't have to have a roommate? Or who can help me get through this? Who can support me during this time? What would really make a difference for me right now as it relates to supporting me, making these big decisions. Who am I scared of? What am I scared of? What are the emotional drivers of my decision-making? The journaling is a big one, but there are just so many emotional components to this. It does take considerable amount of time and grace with yourself to get over them. There are some things that we're going to fall prey to as we deal with lifestyle inflation. We think that we deserve more. We think that as we earn more, we should have more. We need to get over instant gratification. I want you to play the long game. Play the long game for your future self. And by the way, as we talk about the things that have really helped me heal and get through these bigger emotional and bigger bigger stakes, money decisions, financial decisions, if you will, is talking to my future self in meditation or just sitting with my future self or imagining who my future self is and asking my future self what they would do or what they want me to do today and envisioning my future self in a really tactical, tangible way. What is my future self wearing? What is my future self driving? Where is my future self living? How is my future self spending their time? What do I need to do today to make sure that that happens? And spending time with future you to get the support that you need from the mentor in your life because future you is your mentor. Also, getting over shining object syndrome is a really big one. Like the Joneses, I don't know them. I'm not keeping up with anybody. I'm not keeping up with anybody. And I think that shiny object syndrome and, you know, seeing all of the, you know, advertisements, even like the quote unquote organic advertisements through influencers, through TikTok, through social media. It's a lot bombarding us all the time of things that we need, things that will make us prettier, feel better, solve our problems. I need a Dyson Airwrap. My hair needs to be bouncy. It'll make me so much happier. You've got to start eliminating those things, those distractions from your life, that noise. So I know that's really hard, but again, the Joneses, they don't live on my block and I'm not trying to keep up with anybody. The other thing is perspective. Again, as I talk about this concept of being unshakable, having perspective about the things that can happen in the world and you will get through them. Like if you are in a state of paycheck to paycheck right now, it doesn't have to be that way forever. Just the same way that the bad times in the market never last, they always get better. Like when you think about the crash of 2008, Well, think about the highs of 2018, just 10 years later, everything was so much better. 
just know that markets go up and down, our personal situations go up and down, but nothing lasts forever. And we have perspective, history, and the unshakable feeling within ourselves that we can solve any problems that come to us and we can get out of financial fight or flight. We can get out of paycheck to paycheck, okay? So we've talked a ton about the emotions of all of this, like beyond, because that's what this is really about, right? It's the emotions that we have and the things that we think money are gonna give us. When we're building our personal savings, our emergency fund or nest egg, whatever you want to call it. When you're doing that, it's really about making decisions about where your money goes. The last two things that I want to say about this are dealing with debt, making sure that you're paying off your debt, budgeting for it, and you know, go back and listen to the debt episodes for tips on that. But if you are in debt, I just want to acknowledge you and cheer you on. Number one, you're not alone. Number two, it is possible to get out of it. If you have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt, you can pay it off and you can save at the same time so that you have more security in your paycheck to paycheck situation. You can get out of that cycle. Now, again, living paycheck to paycheck is not an income problem. It's a savings problem. So if you want to be starting a new business, starting a side hustle, doing the things to bring more revenue streams to your life, like, yes, I fully support that. And you need to, you're going to ask yourself, well, like, Amber, how much emergency fund do I need at the end of the day? Well, here's the thing. You've just gone through these steps to clear out all the financial clutter. You now have your money flowing in the right way that serves you for your priorities. You may be pulled back for a little bit on things like eating out so that you could get your savings in order for the first $1,000, the first $3,000. And then you're going to say, Amber, how much money do I need to save? Well, now that you've cleaned out the financial clutter, you know what your quote unquote burn rate is. And that number is the number that it takes to keep the lights on every month, to keep your house, your car payment, your insurance, your gas, your lights on, your self-fed. That's your burn rate. That's the number that if everything goes absolutely haywire, that's the number that you need every single month to keep going, take care of yourself, recuperate, recover, whatever it is that happens, and then go to the next month. You might have to take a sabbatical from your crazy job. One of these days, I had to do that. I worked in a really high-stress, high-pressure environment, and I needed to take time off to go recover. I meant to take months and months off, and I saved months and months of that based on my burn rate, and then I accidentally started a company. So it's a whole other story, but my point is your burn rate is how much it takes to keep the lights on every single month, not you going and buying new Louboutin shoes, not you going out to Nobu for a lychee martini, just you keeping the lights on so that you can take care of yourself that's your burn rate. A great rule of thumb is three or six months of that so that you can keep the lights on should anything happen for you. When you have that, then you're out of it. Then you're out of paycheck to paycheck. And when you are saving money, you're investing every month, you are you know, putting in money into your 401k, your simple IRA or whatever it might be, you might not have any money quote unquote left at the end of the month. That's called a $0 budget because you've flowed all of the money in your life to the areas they're supposed to go. But if anything bad happens to you, you're going to be okay. And that's what it's all about. I want you to have money in your paycheck every month that goes to things that light you up and serve you and treat you, all of those things when you can afford it, when you're not neglecting, taking care of future you, when you're setting yourself up for success in case anything horrible, God forbid, happens, that's when you really get to enjoy it. And it's so much sweeter. It is so much sweeter. And the relief is palpable. You deserve that. We all deserve that. So if you are currently living in financial fight or flight or living paycheck to paycheck, it's going to be okay. There are steps out of it. Let me know 
If this is you right now, you can always email me at oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com or you can even go on oldmoneypodcast.com and leave an anonymous note. I'll get it that way. Let me know how your financial life is looking for 2024. I really wanna know what your goals are, the things are that you wanna work on. If you have questions, I am here. This is for us. This is resources for all of us together. It's an honor to put these shows together for you and do the research and put the ideas. Like, I love you. I love you guys so, so much. So again, reach out to me. You can also find us, find me and my team at Old Money Podcast on Instagram. I'm gonna try to TikTok a little bit more this year, but my big thing is if you listen to this episode and it spoke to you in any way, if you can take a screenshot, post it to your stories, tag me at Old Money Podcast so we can have ourselves and all of our friends get wealthier in 2024. I love you guys so, so much. I'm so excited for this year with you and I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Bye-bye. Feeling rich? I hope so. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Old Money. If you have questions you want answered, email me at oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social. We are at oldmoneypodcast and I am at your service. If this episode spoke to you, inspired you, helped you, if you took a single note, it would mean the world to me if you could please just take a minute to rate and review the podcast. And if you're not doing so already, subscribe. And if you have friends who like getting rich, please share this episode with them, even if it's just on your Instagram story. And I'd love you more than Jeff Bezos loves Amazon Prime. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you on the next episode. Remember, I'm not your lawyer. I'm not your tax professional. And I'm not your financial advisor. The content presented in this podcast is intended to entertain, educate, inspire, and support listeners and their personal and professional development. and does not constitute business, financial, or legal advice. In addition to that, this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. 